welcome to Where's My Minds Today. I'm your host, Chloe Ostegai, and this is episode six. This episode is going to be about the election of the past week and all of the results, and essentially I have gone back to my coverage of what was going to be on the ballot back in episode three, which is a more in-depth explanation, and I've found the results of all of the things that I mentioned, or at least the most significant results of all of those. So this will be half of the length of a usual episode, just giving you a massive rundown of what happened in the past week in terms of elections. I was absent last week because I figured that everybody was going to be paying attention to the news and paying attention to the election, and I was probably justified in doing that, so that is why I did not post last week. Also, I think in the last episode I said I was going to talk about politicians and lies this episode. Um, It turns out I lied about that, too. (laughs) Um, That episode is going to be next week, which I actually think is probably a good benefit to that episode because this past week has contained a lot of lies among our politicians. So I do want to discuss that a little bit in a brief moment. But first, I want to say hey, this is the most important election of our lives, so here is everything that you need to know about the last week. This will be short and sweet, cute, everything you need to know about the election. So first of all, as I think most people in the U.S. know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were elected president and vice president, which is a big celebration for a lot of people. There were celebrations in Philadelphia, Atlanta, Los Angeles, New York City, Boston, And this was primarily done through building the Blue Wall of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. There were also important flips in Arizona and also in Georgia, although the Georgia one has not been finalized yet. Um, And there will be a recount of the votes in Georgia. So that's some, some important details, and I'm super excited about this. Anybody that has been listening to this podcast for a little bit will know that I um, talked about how much I love, uh, well, more how much I don't like Donald Trump, and then a little bit about how much I like Joe Biden. Um, I, I would also like to mention that this has been such a relief and a weight off of off of the shoulders of a lot of people, and I understand that there is still a lot of work to do when it comes to systemic racism, but it's still important to celebrate this win, um, especially in terms of kind of a moral win in the way that our presidency is going to be formed. Joe Biden is very clearly a compassionate person, and it's exciting to see somebody who isn't a bully be elected to be the next president. So that's exciting. While I wanted to talk about mostly successes here, uh, we also have to talk a little bit about how Donald Trump reacted to this. He still hasn't conceded the election. He still is claiming that he won, if you count, quote-unquote, all of the legal votes. Um, And he has made uh, several lawsuits in different states that I wanted to talk about a little bit briefly. So, uh, first of all, he has been saying to stop the count in certain states and to continue the count in others, particularly stop the count in the states that he is losing, or the states that he was winning in, and then to continue the count in states that he was losing in so that he could gain more votes there. So it was clear that this was upon partisan lines. He did succeed in allowing the Trump campaign officials to have a closer observation in the counting process in Pennsylvania, which I don't think was going to really change much, given that 
the process has been a fair process and the counters are non-biased. There has been no evidence of widespread vote-by-mail fraud, although he has tweeted about it, and a lot of his past couple of, of tweets have been flagged by Twitter for, for mass um, misinformation. All of the people who count votes in all of these states have to check signatures and call people and ensure that the vote is exactly what it's supposed to be. So we know that this process is fine. Um, there were no illegal ballots counted as far as we are aware of and as far as honestly Trump is aware of because I don't really know where he's hearing anything about fraud. And uh, we've also seen that Fox News has called out his lies, even though usually Fox News will go along with them. So this was this was an interesting week in politics. I'd also like to mention that the reason why there is a disproportionate number of vote-by-mail ballots for Biden is because Trump discounted mail-in ballots ahead of time and told his supporters to vote in person, while Biden encouraged his supporters to vote by mail in order to stay safe from the pandemic. So there was a very mass, uh, a very different strategy within the campaigns, which made it so that there was a disproportionate number of votes by mail for Biden. So I just wanted to put that out there. But now we're going to go into some successes and a little bit of failures within the ballot measures that I discussed in episode three. So we're going to start with my discussion of ranked choice voting, um, which I talked about briefly in the last episode that did not succeed this election season. Um, Massachusetts voted no and Alaska is currently voting now, although 59% of the vote is in in Alaska, so that could flip, but the consensus is that it probably won't, so it does not seem like ranked choice voting is going to become a bigger thing in U.S. politics, which is a little bit disappointing, but alas. Um, then it was a big win for drugs and marijuana um, new laws for those those two things, or I guess marijuana's drugs, so for drugs. Um, Arizona, Montana, and New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana. South Dakota also legalized recreational marijuana and also medical marijuana at the same time. Mississippi legalized medical marijuana in some capacity. So essentially they had that weird vote where essentially you vote for either measure or neither measure. I talked about this in the third episode. It was very confusing, but essentially now it's down to which of the two measures they're going to use. And it seems like right now the one that is ahead is Initiative 65, which would give the state health department jurisdiction over which conditions medical marijuana can be used for instead of state law. Then in Oregon, they permitted licensed service providers to prescribe psychedelic mushrooms for medical purposes, essentially, instead of just medical marijuana, now you can have medical psychedelic mushrooms or psychedelic substances. Additionally, they decriminalized the possession of a controlled substance at all, which makes the max fine $100, which that's only for non-commercial cultivation and possession. But regardless, it's a step in the right direction, as now rehabilitation will be focused on instead of criminalization of drugs. Then there's Washington, D.C., which decriminalized entheogens so that non-commercial planting and possessing of things like magic mushrooms isn't a priority within the police department. So those are some drug-related ballot measures that succeeded this time around. I also talked last episode, or in episode three, about Nebraska and Utah, which have language in their constitutions that allows slavery as a punishment for crime. They both removed this from their constitutions completely, Um, I also want to mention that the U.S. still has this within its constitution. 
Um, it seems kind of strange because the U.S. does not change our constitution very often, but this should be something that is considered. Like, it's not a, a biased issue. It's not a partisan issue. It's just an issue that I think everyone can get behind that slavery should not be a part of our constitutions. So there's that. Uh, additionally, in Alaska, not only did ranked choice voting fail, but also it appears with 59% of the votes that this could change that they will not be increasing taxes on fuel production, which as I think I talked about in the episode three, again, I, if you're looking for specific details, I discuss it in more detail there. The taxes on fuel production was essentially so that the citizens of Alaska would get more of the money from these uh, oil deposits, but it seems like they're not looking for that. So right now they're voting no, that might change. California is only 86% reporting right now, so I only want to discuss this, the, the specific propositions that passed or didn't pass based on what AP has called, because Associated Press is generally pretty reliable as far as that goes. Proposition 16, they did not repeal the amendment that preferential treatment cannot be given to people. So essentially that proposition was about affirmative action and they did not allow for affirmative action to be reinstated in California is essentially what that was. Uh, Proposition 17, people on parole for felony convictions can now vote, which is um, a success in people who are looking for an expansion of voter rights. Proposition 18 was the one that was going to allow 17-year-olds to vote in the primary if they're eligible to vote by the time election season rolls around. They did not pass this. And then additionally, Proposition 22, which um, was heavily lobbied by Uber and Lyft and other delivery drivers, uh, corporations, this one did, did pass. Essentially, it designates rideshare workers as independent contractors. In Colorado, they did not ban late-term abortions, but they did join the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, which I did not discuss in the last episode or in any episode really, but essentially the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is a group of states that has said that if their total electoral votes are 270, which is the amount that it needs to, uh, a president presidential candidate needs in order to win, if they can reach 270 votes within the compact, then they will um, pass this law where all of their electoral votes will go toward whoever wins the popular vote. It's not very likely to happen in the next several years just because most of the states signing on to the compact are liberal states, but it is something to take note of. Um, Louisiana added language to their constitution that would essentially ensure that it cannot be amended to protect a right to an abortion, which would essentially allow them to challenge the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court were to... Um, pass more expansive abortion laws, which is a little scary. Um, in Maryland, they expanded gambling, which is a little less scary. In Michigan, they seemingly, not all of the votes are cast, but it seems like they overwhelmingly voted in favor of requiring a search warrant to access a person's electronic data and communications. As of today, which is November 9th, that seems like it's going to pass just because 86% of people voted for it, but that percentage might go down in a little bit, but it seems like they will be voting for that. Mississippi approved of their proposed flag. Nevada made an amendment to recognize same-sex marriage or marriage between couples regardless of gender. Oklahoma did not modify their sentencing, so essentially they still have the same policy in place where Nonviolent felony convictions can impose a greater sentence upon future sentencing. 
So if somebody comes in for a trial, their prior convictions can have an effect on what happens in their current trial. Rhode Island changed their name so that it doesn't refer to plantations anymore, so that's fun. And then also Washington required comprehensive sex education in public schools through an amendment. So those are all of the key ballot measures that I discussed last time. There are a couple of things that I don't think I mentioned just because they haven't been decided yet. It's only been a week since election day, but that is essentially all of the things that I could come up with that are, you know, significant results. Next, I want to talk about the Senate races. I'm not going to discuss every single one of them because a lot of them um, did not have a flip of the status quo. So essentially, uh, right now, it seems as though Republicans have won 50 of the 100 Senate seats and Democrats have won 48. So there are two that are going to go into runoff elections in January in Georgia. So it's John Ossoff versus Purdue and then Reverend Raphael Warnock versus, I don't remember his opponent's name... <laughs> But it's those two. I'm going to talk about them briefly at the end of this part of uh, the episode. Um, so just give me a minute. But in Alabama, a Republican flipped the seat. So Tommy Tuberville won against Doug Jones. In Arizona, a Democrat flipped the seat from Republican to Democrat. Um, Mark Kelly flipped the seat against Martha McSally. In Colorado, John Hickenlooper did the same, but against uh, Cory Gardner, which is a big win for environmentalists who wanted a geologist to be in the Senate. And then Susan Collins is still the senator in Maine, which was disappointing for those in New England. And also odd, because I think we all believed that that was the most likely scenario was for um, Sarah Gideon to win there. So now I want to briefly talk about the Georgia runoff elections in January. These are incredibly important. If both John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock can flip these seats, then the Democrats and the Republicans will have an equal representation in the Senate, which would allow Kamala Harris to break the tie and essentially for Democrats to be able to pass legislation more easily. I'm not saying that Democrats would necessarily all vote on the same things in the same ways or Republicans would vote on the same things in the same ways, but it's possible it would give a, a larger possibility for Democrats to get more done this next election season and until the midterms. And so um, if you're interested in volunteering for either John Ossoff or Reverend Raphael Warnock, I will have um, links in my description that will go to um, volunteer links on their campaign. And if you reach out to me personally, which a lot of you can, you can either DM me on Instagram or you can, um, if you know me, you can just text me. Um, you can, I, I'll give you the link to the phone bank and you can come phone bank. Uh, for both of these candidates, I think it's really important that we go out and phone bank for these people because the Georgia runoff elections are turning out to be very important. It turns out that Georgia is a very important state to the United States. I did not, I don't think anybody was expecting the entire election to hinge on Georgia, and it turns out it kind of did. So that's really interesting. Um, so that's the end of my little election recap. This is like half of the um, usual length of an episode. Next episode, I'm going to be talking about um, how much politicians lie and showing you guys my research on uh, Donald Trump's lies versus other politicians, and we're going to just talk about lying the entire episode. As always, you can watch my episodes of my podcast on my YouTube channel if you prefer that as a platform at Chloe Ostigai, C-H-L-O-E-O-S-T-I-G-U-Y, and the link will be in the description of this podcast episode. 
And then you can follow me on Instagram at Where's My Mind Today. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. This show is written, produced, and edited by me, Chloe Ostegai. Artwork is by Caitlin Howard. Music is by Jack Noah. You can find his social media in the description of the show or in the description below every YouTube video. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.